Hey everyone, Trevor Sikkema and Benjamin Solak here from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Starting this episode with a more serious and necessary tone today. Sports are why you guys listen to this podcast, right? I mean, we're all big sports followers. It's the reason why Ben and I record. It's why you guys subscribe and listen. But there's something going on around the country right now that is far more important than our love of sports. And that is to show our support and do our part to fight against the social injustice and rooted racism that was the reason that George Floyd was murdered at the hands of the Minnesota Police Department. It's an act that was heartbreaking. It's an act that makes us sad, feel remorse, feel angry, want to do something. But unfortunately, it's not a unique case. It's not something that is happening out of the blue. And it's part of a trend that has happened for centuries in this country. That trend is white supremacy. This country was built on the fact that people of color are viewed as less important than white people. And that's the way that it has been for centuries. Ben and I are both white. And on this podcast, it is our job as the hosts to speak and have you all listen. But that is not nearly what is most important right now about an issue that is more important than sports. What's most important right now is that we as white people listen. It is that we come into these situations with an open mind and we hear from the mouths of those who live lives of oppression that we may not even know because of the brainwashing that has happened throughout our lives. It is our jobs to listen, to learn, to then speak up, and then get in the fight with our words, our time, and our money. If you've enjoyed the podcast at any time, we'd ask you to consider steps that you can take in the same way that Trevor and I are considering steps that we can take. Below in the description of the podcast, you'll find links for threads on non-optical allyship, things that you can do outside of social media that help you express anti-racist sentiments towards the black community that needs it. You'll also find resources on anti-racism so you can educate yourself if you don't understand the movement. You'll also find links to the National Bail Fund Network, which has links to all of the bail accounts for specific communities where protesters have been arrested over the last week. For the NAACP Legal Defense Fund to help defend those black individuals unjustly and unlawfully imprisoned and the National Association of Black Journalists to help support black journalists in sports media and other media everywhere as they do their best to cover the protests. We ask you to take a moment, a longer moment than this, and consider what you can do. And in that it's something that you can do, what perhaps you should do to recognize this moment in our national history and in our national struggle and help those that need it. Like Ben said, the links to a lot of different resources and places to get involved will be in the description of this podcast. And on behalf of Locked On NFL Draft, we will be matching up to $500 worth of donations that you guys have for a variety of different places where you can where you can get in, involved. But it takes a lot. It, it takes money. It takes time. For a lot of us, it takes listening. It takes a mindset, um, an opening up, a, a being vulnerable of of. A society that we are ingrained in that has almost brainwashed us to the point of thinking that it doesn't exist. I grew up in white privilege. It's something that I will always carry with me. And it's something that, as painfully obvious as it was, I didn't even realize until I actually started to listen. Until I was able to sit down and truly listen with an open mind to the perspective of other people. I was straight up wrong. 
about how I viewed the world and other people. And in ways I know I'm still wrong today. It is something that I will always be trying to learn more about, trying to listen harder, trying to gain different perspective in ways that I can never experience myself. The only way to understand it is to listen. And from that moment forward, then you can begin to admit how much of a problem that mindset really is. And that way you can speak up against those who may be in your friend group, your family, people close to you who have experienced that same kind of privilege that need to know how damaging it can be when they're not listening. Because that oppression, whether forward or subtle, exists every single day. It does. It's not right. And it doesn't just happen when we see hashtags for George Floyd or Ahmaud Aubrey or Breon Taylor or Trayvon Martin or Michael Brown or when we post a quote about Martin Luther King. It's so much more than that. Those are the names that we know because they have been movements, but there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands more names that we do not know. And this movement is not just right now. It's not just of the last couple of years. It is systematic. It has existed for centuries, and it is up to us. It is up to us as people of privilege to listen and then act, to do something, to not just be non-racist, but be anti-racist, to call things out. And that starts and continues by listening and amplifying the voices, experiences, and perspectives from our black brothers and sisters, our fellow human beings. We here at the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast are trying to do our part. We're listening, we're researching, we're speaking out, we're donating. And if you listen to this podcast, if you enjoy what we do, if you are part of this family, we ask that you do the same because black lives matter. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. My name is Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Built Bar, the best tasting bars on the planet. Got another draft class recap episode that we're getting to today. Headed to Detroit to recap what the Lions were able to do. And when I look at this draft class, I look at the needs that the Lions had. And almost every single position it feels like they hit. They can't all be first-round picks, but I thought they prioritized things pretty well. At the top of the draft at number three overall, they went with Jeffrey Akuda, the cornerback out of Ohio State, addressing a major need that they had. In the second round, they went DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia. I'm sure we'll get into the discussion of that with our guest. Third round, they had two picks. Julian Okwara, the edge rusher from Notre Dame, and then Jonah Jackson, the guard from Ohio State. In the fourth round, they picked Logan Sternberg, the guard from Kentucky. Fifth round, we had two picks. Quintez Cephas, wide receiver from Wisconsin. Jason Huntley, the running back from New Mexico State. Sixth round, they went John Penasini, the defensive tackle from Utah, and then they rounded everything out in the seventh round with Jay Sean Cornell, the defensive tackle from Ohio State. Ben, I thought that when you look at needs and the guys that they picked, I felt like it was a lot of one-and-one stuff. Detroit really attacked a lot of different areas where they were trying to beef up the rest of the roster, whether it was with starters or with depth. What did you think of the way that these picks kind of came out in the positions they prioritized? I agree. I think that 
when you look at players like Julian Okora, Jonah Jackson selected outside of the top two rounds, that's where you got good value, and that's especially where you got positions that the Lions needed help in. Akuda at three was always the move. It's Swift in the top of the second round that I think is going to be the pick that if this class turns out good, it'll be because Swift became a dominant NFL running back, and if this class turns out bad, it'll be because that Swift pick with on Johnson already there with some of Swift's injury concerns, that's the yeah. one where we look back and we say, this class could have been great, but but that that top 40 pick was the question mark. So a lot riding on that second rounder. This is true. And, you know, there's a lot, of, I think, questions to get on where these guys are specifically going to fit along this Lions roster. So to help us understand that a little bit more, we have Matt Derry, who is the host of Locked on Lions, here with us on the podcast. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Gentlemen, great to hear your voices. i uh, got to get you on my pod soon uh, now that you're lauding this Lions <laughs> draft. Listen to you guys. It's, yeah, a ra- no, it's a rarity that Detroit gets any love. I really did. But I think the Detroit Lions did a lot of great stuff in this draft. And let's start at the very top. Let's start with Akuda. Ben said there that it was always Akuda. Akuda was always the guy that they were going to select. I think Detroit would have obviously loved to grab Chase Young, but they were one pick short of doing that. So knowing that that was the case... Was it always Akuda? Was Akuda the you have to pick this guy? Because we also heard some whispers about Isaiah Simmons as well. Yeah, you know, I, I, I really, the way the Lions have been structured over the last few years and the way that Bob Quinn, the general manager, has talked about his linebacking core and picking up Jamie Collins in free agency, a former Patriot, which is how the Lions build their team. Yeah, um, we're noticing. I, I wasn't even trying to be funny. <laughs> but yes, I was. But the, um, where was I? They weren't taking Isaiah Simmons. They just weren't. Now, would I, as as somebody that's hosted this Locked On Lions podcast for four years, I'd love to see a guy that can fly around the football and can just be a difference maker and be a hybrid type player. But that doesn't fit the Matt Patricia defensive system. That they they're they're sort of based on this whole rush three drop eight. You know, Jamie Collins is hybrid himself, but Isaiah Simmons, you looked at him, I just, they like big guys. The Lions like, you know, they they, they like obviously the big D tackles. I think you look at Trey Flowers, you don't see the Shaq Barrett type, type pass rusher or the thin, you know, Lawrence Taylor type that goes around the edge. You see these sort of bigger players, other uh, linebackers. Christian Jones is, is kind of big and slow, but he takes up a lot of space. Jelani Tavai, same type of thing that they drafted last year. So they they, they kind of seem to like size and and, and bigger guys. And, and, you know, Isaiah Simmons is undersized as a linebacker and probably more of a free safety. So it, it, to go back to your original point, I read a, a lot of Ben's stuff at the Draft Network. Hey, Okuda, Okuda was going to always be the guy. Um, they tried their very best, at least they claim, to maybe move back and, and get Okuda at five or six. But Look, the whole world knows Matthew Stafford's not going anywhere, and the Lions played a lousy poker hand by even by not insinuating more that hey, maybe we had a secret meeting with Tua. You know, lo- lob that softball out to a Rappaport or one of these guys and, and see if it can gain gain some legs with other GMs. They didn't really do that. They took the guy that was best on their board. They took a huge need guy in Okuda with Darius Slay gone, and so they got their guy. But the only issue I really had was. Couldn't you have gotten him at five or six, made a trade back, you know, pressed that button a little bit and got more picks? Probably, but the Lions did not play a very good game of poker. 
As we know, the uh, the pass defense for the Lions was really the big weakness last season. And you have two players, the top players in that secondary, and Quandre Diggs and Darius Slay, who even with the down year for Slay was one of the better guys, both in different homes. Now, Diggs, the midseason trade to Seattle, and then obviously Slay, the offseason trade to Philadelphia. In replacement, it's the Jeffrey Okuda pick, it's the Desmond Trufant signing, it's the Daron Harmon trade, and then Tracy Walker, the homegrown talent who I thought came along pretty nicely. Uh, it increased snaps following the Diggs trade. I want to know flat out, did, did, did the secondary get better? Did the secondary stay the same? Where are we? This was a problem last year. Did we improve at this spot enough that it will make a difference? That's a great question. I don't have an answer, and I'll tell you what. I think they got worse. Well, all right. Darius Slay was the best player on their team. And maybe he didn't have a great year last year, but still voted to the Pro Bowl. Guy made the Pro Bowl three times. Not many Detroit Lions do that. So you take him out. And if you include Quandre Diggs from last year, where Quandre started getting a little ticked off, didn't like some of the things were going on, hopped on social media. And that's how you you want to get out of town in Detroit. You hop on social media because Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia aren't having it. <laughs> so so Diggs gets on Twitter. Slay got on Twitter. Snacks. You know, the, the guys that were media friendly and social media friendly have all been shoved out over the last few years. Look at them. Golden Tate. Uh, Eric Ebron, That's wild. Diggs, Slay, Snacks. Um, uh, who am I forgetting? There's one other that, that got shipped out. I mentioned Tate. I mean, the list goes on and on. Graham Glasgow, the beat writers loved him. They 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 were going to go on like a, a food run with Graham this year, and now he, you know, they didn't re-sign him. So you know, T.J. Lang. So there are guys that that I think the Lions view that they want a certain type of player, and they don't want anybody messing around on Twitter. With that being said, Slay was their best defensive player. He's gone. You're replacing him. If your starting corners last year were Slay, Rashawn Melvin, who was a disaster, and Justin Coleman. <clears throat> and now this year it's Okuda, Trufant, and Coleman. I mean, is that a wash? Maybe. You know, on the back end with Tracy Walker, I agree with you guys. Um, he's a good football player that's only going to get better. Deron Harmon is a definite upgrade from Will Harris, who was playing mostly free safety at the end of last year. Harris will be a part of the rotation this year. They like playing three safeties. But to answer your question, I don't know if they, you know, they, they've they moved a lot of deck chairs around for sure. Six of the for, of the 11 starters, if you look at it now on the, on the depth chart, are probably going to be new on defense. But the question is, are they, you know, A'shaun Robinson and Snacks out, um, uh, you know, who, who's in now? You know, you're looking at Danny Shelton. You're looking at Nick Williams. I don't think that's an upgrade, but there's definitely new bodies in there. The key is Jamie Collins for the whole defense. If he's really good, then you go, wow, there's a $10 million free agent that is flying around the football and will make everybody else better. But no, the secondary, I think right now it's probably the same. You mentioned that a lot of shakeup in the secondary and just the defense overall might be a big shakeup in the running back room I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen because um, there are a lot of Carrion Johnson fans out there and Carrion in his rookie year certainly did a lot of really nice things but here we are two years in Carrion's only played or he's only started in 14 games is that the reason why they went with DeAndre Swift? Do they not have the faith that Carrion can stay healthy enough to impact the team that they need to and then what's going to be the look of this running back room 
when both of these guys are healthy? What do you think that the share is going to be? Who's going to get the first crack at things? What might Swift's role be if Carrion's healthy? And then certainly if Carrion goes down, does it turn into a one running back committee with Swift in there? No, I, I truly believe, and look, Bob Quinn is a master of deception, and I think he does feel like he's right more than he's wrong. But you look at the records and, you know, I mean, they've won six games or nine games now in two years. I mean, it's unacceptable. With that being said, I think I do believe Bob Quinn when he says we need depth at running back. We can't just have one guy. And that one guy's been hurt for two years. Carryon Johnson does have talent. He's been the most explosive guy they've had back there probably since Reggie Bush. He was the first 100-yard rusher they've had since Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush has been gone for six years. So they're in desperate need of a consistent ground game. But I also think they want that thunder and lightning look. They want Carrion, who's kind of a bigger back, and then Swift, the little guy that can can really run. And I don't know if he has blazing speed per se, but it is a bit more of a change of pace. I don't think they thought in a million years at 35 – that they were going to go to bed Thursday night going, oh, my gosh, we're only three picks away from DeAndre Swift. Well, the Bengals ain't taking him. The Colts probably aren't taking him, although Indy did take a running back rather quickly after that when they uh, traded up for Jonathan Taylor. But Indy had Marlon Mack. I I think the Lions thought on their board, Swift was probably a top 20 guy on their board. He lasts to 35. Quinn sticks to his guns, which is we take best available. We go highest on our board. So they knew going to sleep Thursday night, they had a good shot at him. Uh, ironically enough, played at Georgia and wore Matthew Stafford's number seven. So they like him, and I think they're going to play both guys. But what's probably going to end up happening is Carrion's going to leave a game with an injury, and then it'll be Swift. And they also like Bo Scarborough. So I think they feel like their room, that room is much better now than it was a year ago at this time. I'm curious, offense as a whole here, that – that spurt that we got of Stafford for, I think it was eight games. And then Daryl Bevel as the new offensive coordinator looked really solid. And we were talking about heavy play action, vertical passing game going down the field. Well, Stafford's back and hopefully he's healthy. We got Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola still in the building. So a lot of the same pieces are there. And certainly with, with DeAndre Swift, you likely have a better running back room than you did. I turned to the offensive line where, as you said, Graham Glasgow not uh, returned. Rick Wagner obviously out as well. Replacements, hopefully Jonah Jackson and then Halapuli Vati Vaitai from Philadelphia. Are you concerned that the offensive line's pass protection is is worse such that Stafford won't enjoy that success that he did last year when he was healthy? Or do you think this team still, that that preamble that we got, that pre-taste last year for eight games, that's what we should expect for 16 weeks from the, from the Detroit Lions offense? I actually think that the pass blocking over the years has been just fine. It's been the run game that they, they just don't move bodies. I actually think that they're going to run block better and pass block worse. Now, I don't – what the hope is is that Stafford doesn't get killed uh, for sure, and he's going to have to get the, rid of the ball maybe a little bit quicker. But I do think if you look at the O-line and go, all right, you know, like, like I said, always been solid pass blocking. They had one bad year a couple of years ago where Stafford got uh, mauled too much. But they made some adjustments. Um, the O-line coach got fired, and I think now they have a better system in place. Big V at right tackle, will he be better than Rick Wagner? I don't know. Um, if it's a wash, that's fine, I, I did, but I don't think Wagner was worth the money that they gave him. And now Big V's almost got the same contract. 
What I really like, and what you mentioned before I came on, was that Stenberg left guard, Jackson right guard scenario, where you've got two ass kickers from the third and fourth round that are upgrades. They just haven't been all that good at the guard spot over the years. Now, now TJ Lang was a nice pickup a few years ago and was an alternate for the Pro Bowl and, and solid at right guard, but he had issues staying healthy. Uh, Joe Dahl is the left guard now. I'm not sold. I don't think anybody's sold. And they had left guard problems in the past. Ragnow at center is a mauler. This could be a year for the Lions actually have a Pro Bowl offensive lineman. It could be him. He's good. Decker's playing for a contract at left tackle. He performs. He'll get paid. He's solid. I think they're going to run the football better. And I think this line, if those two rookies get a chance, could be better run blocking. But pass blocking, I'm not, I'm not so sure. Matt, I thought that the Lions got a steal and a prospect in Amani Arawarie last year in the fifth round. This year in the fifth round, they pick up Quintez Cephas. And these were two guys who uh, had some, I guess, questionable things around their athletic testing and some of their tape. And for Cephas, it was, man, can he separate? You know, he's not one of the more athletic guys, and he has terrible testing numbers at the combine, which is probably why he slides. But I thought these guys were good football players. And Arawarie, I thought, played pretty well in his rookie season. You can correct me if I'm wrong, because I was looking from afar, but I thought he played pretty well in his rookie season, especially given that he was a day three pick there. Quintez Cephas is a guy who I imagine could have that similar kind of impact, where it's a guy who the Lions took in the fifth round on day three who could really outperform where he was drafted. Do you see him similarly, and where do you see a guy like him fitting in this Lions wide receiver depth chart? Um, I think he's going to make the team. I don't think there's any question about it. You you referenced it before. I mean, their big three is all back. Galladay's a stud. I'm a big fan. Um, you know, Pro Bowl alternate a year ago, got to play in the game. I nicknamed him, or, or one of my listeners nicknamed him KG Beast. He's good. He's and, and I like that like, one. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Coming up with well, the nicknames. People, well, people. I mean, people called him Galladay in. That's all. That's that. That to me is is not is. It's sort of cheesy. Oh man, I don't know. Uh, I like that one. I, I gotta like but, that but, one. I kind of do. <laughs> but I, he's really no good. Love Mark, for, uh, don't, for Babytron. He got the Megatron redux. Uh, no, like no, that. do not, do not even <laughs> go there. No. Oh gosh, where were we? But but. Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Amendola, that's a nice trio there. Danny, all he does is catch those third down plays. Stafford loves that check down stuff. Jones is solid when healthy and a really good football player. He's in a contract year. So is Galladay, although I think they're going to sign him before the season and get him get him uh, locked and loaded. But then, then you look up, Marvin Hall You know, is a guy that is a home run threat that, that helped as a fourth receiver last year. Um, they picked up Geronimo Allison from the Packers. You know, some Packer fans will tell you he's god-awful. Others will say, you know, a couple years ago he was pretty good. And then you throw Cephas in the mix, and, you know, it's funny. I mentioned before about Bob Quinn staying away from any problem children. You know, Quintez had the issue off the field. He was kicked out of school, but then found innocent and not guilty of any of these sexual assault charges. And on our show a few weeks ago, we had Scotty Nelson on from Wisconsin, the defensive back and starting safety, who practiced against Cephas for three years. And just raved about him and said he's a great kid. Nobody on the team ever thought he would do something like this. We're glad he got cleared. He could end up being a steal there in the fifth round. A lot of the local fans here in Detroit wanted DPJ because he went to Michigan. But I'll be right. honest. 
how, how many 100-yard games did DPJ have? Uh, not many. I don't think any. And, you know, Cleveland's happy to get him, but I think there's something about Cephas in this system, like you mentioned with the play, play action, where he's going to be maybe in the slot sometimes, outside other times, a high-point guy that can go get the football. Maybe not the greatest speed, but, um, you know, I, I think there's a fit there. I definitely think he'll make the team and, and play a little bit. All right, my final question is not on a specific third rounder for you, Matt, but it's on, bay, or I should say, day three. Or it's on everybody that's left. Uh, we, you talked a little bit about uh, Stenberg, of course. We have Huntley, the New Mexico kid, John Penasini out of Utah, Jay Sean Cornell, the Ohio State guy, and then uh, a bevy of UDFAs. When it comes to day three picks, a lot of times they don't get the love that they deserve. So I'm curious, of these remaining day three guys, of any of the UDFAs as well, if there's a particular dude you like, a guy that you think is going to stick, he's going to make the 53-man the roster, he's going to be able to provide an impact. Who's got the best shot for you and why? Who are you watching of the later guys? Uh, well, I'll, I'll say this, um, fellas. Um, you know, when, when Jason Huntley was drafted, everybody went, why? What are you doing? Why not Bradley, right. why not Bradley and I there? Mm-hmm. He, he lit up the senior bowl. The Lions coached him. <clears throat> they must not have liked an eye because they passed on him numerous times. The Huntley pick was a head-scratcher, but the one I like – and I think is going to work is John Penasini. They yeah. are desperate for D, D tackles. Like I said, Snacks is gone. Ashawn's gone. Uh, Mike Daniels is gone, at least not re-signed as of now, and he's still available. Maybe they'll bring him back, but Penasini's going to have to play. They are very thin at D tackles still. There's guys out there they could sign. Marcel Darius. Uh, you know, they, they could get Everson Griffin and move him around. Not that he's a tackle per se, but I think Penasini's a guy they like. Um, those Utah kids seem to stick and for a six rounder, he's going to play, he's going to have to. And, um, so they'll, they'll coach him up. That's, I think a guy that Patricia probably really likes that they're going to give every opportunity to give, give him some, some time in there with Deshaun hand. And uh, I mentioned Danny Shelton and Nick Williams. I gotta say Penasini, his teammates spoke very highly of him. I felt like whoever I asked, whether it was at the East West shrine game or at the senior bowl, or even at the combine, there were, a handful of his teammates who were saying, you know, you ask the the common questions like, oh, if you could bring any one of your teammates with you to the NFL, a lot of them actually said John Penasini, which I think really goes towards something, uh, not just for a good teammate and a good guy that he probably is, but also you're going to want a hard worker, right? I mean, you're going to want a guy that does the dirty work that you can be within the trenches. And so I think that's very telling when these guys speak very highly of the other going into the league. Matt, we really appreciate you joining us, breaking everything down for the Lions draft hall. Before we let you go, let everybody know where they can hear all your great work. Uh, you can just follow us on Twitter at Dairy Speaks, D-E-R-Y Speaks, or at Locked on Lions. Uh, I have a fan, Matt Dairy Facebook fan page as well. Um, appreciate you guys coming on. You do you do great work um, both here and, and at the Draft Network. So uh, got to get you guys on my pod soon because I think the Lions actually did do well um, in the draft. I, I'm not sold yet on their free agency class, free agent class, but the draft, uh, I gave them an A-. I, I really liked it. So those guys are all going to have to contribute and help right away. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't you know just saying it for the microphone. I really do think the Lions had a pretty great tr- draft class. So anytime you want us over there, you just let us know. We only got a couple more draft class recap episodes to get to. We're finishing that series out this week. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.